What's going on, ghosties? Welcome back to Tales of Spooky Coffee House. If you're new here, welcome to our podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Chelsea. And I'm Veronica. And it's time to get spooky. How are you, Veronica? How you been? How's life? Oh, what a question. Um, <laughs> let's go with the good answer. I'm good. I'm drinking coffee. It's bomb. It's uh, It's hitting the spot, you know? Mm-hmm. It's really cold in our house right now for whatever reason. It's warm outside. What are you drinking? Like anything special or? Well, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm drinking. My mom made it. So <laughs> all I know is that I put <laughs> Folgers, uh, powder, the powder creamer and some sugar. But yeah, I have no clue what I'm drinking. She could have poisoned it for all I know. So, you know, if there's a new <laughs> episode after this one, then you know what happened. <laughs> i'll make sure to give the ghosties a heads up on instagram if that happens thank you make sure you invite pedro okay okay to my, I definitely to my week will. <clears throat> imagine um, i'd be so mad like <laughs> oh now you come and visit me <laughs> i um also had a eye appointment on monday and it's been a while since i've like done anything involving my eyes bro that girl was doing everything she could to my eyes oh like okay and then she had to dilate my eyes that was wild that was a wild experience i was tripping balls i was like uh i can't see nothing (laughs) that sounds like a interesting time (laughs) i know but my week was okay coffee is good life could be better but it's good you know how are you uh, I'm okay too life can definitely always be better mm-hmm. I am trying out so I, I made coffee I have just regular vanilla creamer with peppermint but my husband found they're called unicorn cocoa dunker marshmallows you would have that. and yeah and so I just threw like two into my coffee and it's really good so all it is is it's a chocolate covered marshmallow with a bunch of sprinkles on it mm-hmm. and you know, I can taste the chocolate and the sprinkles are a nice little surprise on top too. So I'm kind of having like a really sweet dessert type coffee and it's nice. Nice. It's nice to no, feel like I'm a little craving, kid. I'm craving some dessert now. <laughs> Go get some. I think I will. I'm a, okay, I'm going <laughs> to add it to the freaking shopping list. That's fun. I will, I will share pictures too. We actually, you know what? We are very behind on posting pictures that we said we're going to We, we. Sweetie, yeah. speak for yourself. You're over here talking about books and you're talking about crystal balls and like this and that. And you never post it. Did I not post I, crystal ball? I think you did, but I was just using it as an example. No. And, and then <laughs> I forget to like tell you or I think I feel like bad, like annoying to tell you. But yeah, you're annoying in general. So feel free to tell me anytime you want. Wow. Okay. <laughs> anyways, you. anyways, I do have a couple questions for you. um yeah i don't have really catch up or anything but okay so my first question for you is what is your favorite on-screen death slash murder so my mom and i watched this movie one time okay Mm -hmm. we watched it with my ex and his brother who was staying the night and we were just watching this random zombie movie that we found Mm-hmm. the only reason why we decided to watch this zombie movie it's not even it wasn't even a good movie like the quality sucked so the only reason why we wanted to watch it is because it had danny trejo in it right mm-hmm. and it's a zombie movie okay so it's about a 
for survivors obviously trying to navigate the zombie apocalypse and this pregnant mom gets bitten and she tells the main character she's like cut the baby out of me like save the baby okay oh. so it was this really sad and they show it like it's graphic okay so trigger warning because this is going to get really bad they uh cut her open like a c-section and pull the baby out and then they kill her so you know she doesn't come back as a zombie and they're having this like miracle moment they're holding this baby amidst all this bad shit that's happening mm-hmm. And these motherfuckers forgot to cut the umbilical cord, so little baby turned into a fucking zombie. Oh and my on God. screen, on screen, they fucking bashed this baby in with a metal bat. On screen, as they're all that- screaming. And we're screaming. And my ex and his brother are like, what the fuck? Like, this is so cool, but this is so wrong. Like, what the fuck is happening? And all four of us were just so scarred from this death scene. And mm-hmm. yeah. So that's my favorite. It, it definitely sounds like a Danny <laughs> Trejo fucking yeah movie. Have you did, did you ever try um Trejo donuts or Trejo's tacos? No, not yet. Oh, dude, I've tried Trejo's tacos. Oh, so good. It's expensive as fuck, but it was good and it got you full cuz I I think my friend and I ordered a burrito like different kinds and we went half and half. Uh-huh. It was so good, but I still need to go to Trejo donuts. Well, next time I'm out there, you'll have to take me because that's definitely something that I wanted to try but didn't have a chance to do last time I was out there. All right. Add it to the to-do list. Okay, cool. So my second question for you is if you and I had a show, what would it be called and what kind of characters would we play? I'm really digging the your bully is showing and it would be like some kind of comedy show. I'm definitely digging that. A comedy show. Okay, I was thinking it was going to be like a spooky comedy show. Yeah, like that's what I was thinking too. Like we were like murderers going on a killing spree, but like that would be fun. The like whole a little, time, like a little mini series. Yeah. Oh, that's it could cute. Be, um, yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. I don't think that your bully is showing would necessarily go, but I really like that title. <laughs> okay, so we're definitely going to have to hit up Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Netflix, we have an idea. I Yeah, I would definitely, like, lose my shit if fucking Netflix gave us a show and it was just, like, a comedy murder show. It'd be fun. It could I be, like, it. um oh, what is that one show, San Clarita Diet? Only instead of zombies, it would be murders. Yeah. I'm down. That'd be fun. Yeah, I'm down. I'm so Even down. if I'm just, like, a writer on the show, I'm down. <laughs> so... I have a couple things to talk about, too. More on the darker side, not Mm -hmm. the fun questions that you had. So there's a few things that I want to talk about this week, mainly because this stuff has either happened near me or it's impacted people that I know, or not necessarily know, but you'll you'll understand. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of crazy shit's been happening, and by the time that this recording goes up, it's already going to be a week to two weeks for all of the stuff so this first topic i watch this tiktoker and i really love his videos with his daughter because it reminds me of the relationship that i have with mine mm-hmm. and i was devastated for the father when i found out that his 16 year old daughter bailey was involved in a hit and run um over the weekend they did catch the guy she was crossing the road after having gotten ice cream and 
allegedly the driver Mark Lusick was drunk and he ignored a ran a red light and ran her over. Wow. And so I just there's a GoFundMe page to help with um, funeral costs and everything. So if anybody follows them or just wants to help out, like I said, like I I've watched them all the time, and it just when I think about my kids, that shit really just hits home. Yeah. But uh, speaking of kids, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, 15-year-old Adriana Davidson was found under the bleachers on January 30th of her school after she went missing on January 27th. There is a petition that is going around with almost 10,000 signatures right now demanding justice for her murder because of the criticism of mishandling the case between the police department and the high school. So this really this case really irks me and it's kind of why I want to talk about it because on the day she went missing one of her friends asked her if she was straight to which Adriana told her no like she wasn't okay like there wasn't she wasn't good and after that conversation at about I think they said 1 p.m. nobody heard from her again later that afternoon they found her phone on the tennis court at school but nobody searched the grounds like at all. There was no search conducted. And then she was found two days later underneath the bleachers. Wow. Like she, she could have been found right now. There's no cause of death. And they police are speculating that she suffered from depression and it might've been a suicide, but nothing has, has been said for sure right now. And it's just, it really irks me because if you a student goes missing and you find their phone on school grounds, the first thing you do is search the property. Yeah, especially for there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's just I completely understand why there's a petition saying that they mishandled this case because that is the first thing that you do. Yeah. Ugh, people are dumb. I know. I just it's like it reminds me of that of that little boy where the administration knew that we had talked about. Yeah. It just, yeah, the school systems are failing right now. Big time. So I'm not sure if we've talked about this, but uh, it's being speculated that Chicago has a serial killer that the police are trying to hide. Have I heard about this? Continue. (laughs) I'm sure we've talked about it before. In recent years, 11 bodies so far of men in their 20s and early 30s were removed from the Chicago River and Lake Michigan shoreline. Cause of death for all of the men is still not determined. And all of them were last seen at, like, nightlife areas of the city. So this past Wednesday, another body was found. And citizens of Chicago believe that they are the victims of the smiley face killer, who was first brought to the attention as a possible serial killer in 1997 by retired New York detectives Kevin Gannon and Anthony DeWarty and criminal justice professor and gang expert Lee Gibbertson. They believe that the killer leaves the bodies by city rivers, targets college-aged men, And there is typically a smiley face near where the bodies were found. So citizens are saying that this is the work of the smiley face killer. But this theory is denied by local police because of insufficient evidence. I want to say something, but it's going to sound so wrong. But like, I feel like you'll understand. Say it. So the thing is, is that like, I know it's wrong of me to see this as like, not it being cool, but like, because it grabs your attention, you know what I mean? And people are into that. I mean, a lot of people are into true crime and stuff. But, um, yeah. you know, I find so much interest in it. But I don't, I don't want to say the wrong thing, you know? So I'm, ju- I'm just going to say that it's very interesting, has my attention. I want to know more. 
I want to stay updated if you don't mind. Uh, well, maybe we'll just yeah, maybe we'll just do like a a segment together on it and both do research because, like I said, this has been going on since 1997. There's going to be a lot of information. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. That'd be fun. So, lastly, here in the county that I live in, I live in Noble County, Indiana. Okay. Mm-hmm. And on August sixth. 1975, Laurel Jean Mitchell went missing when she failed to return home from her job at church camp. She was found the next morning on August 7th, dead in the Elkhart River. And this happened in 1975, okay? This past week, 47 years later, Fred Brandy Jr. and John Wayne Leham were arrested and charged with her murder. Wow. They are currently being held without bail at the local jail, which, crazy enough, is literally less than a mile from my house. And Captain Kevin Smith said that he's not able to give any more information, but he's quoted as saying that science has finally given us the evidence we needed. Do you know what that evidence was or, like, what what it was nope. that, like, no? He won't comment. He won't comment on it. Oh, Yep, that's all he said was the science finally gave us the evidence we needed. So Laurel's cause of death was officially drowning, but the autopsy had found signs that she had fought for her life. So even if it is almost half a century later, I am very happy that this woman is about to finally get the justice that she deserved. Yeah, because you do often hear about cases being opened or reopened, I mean, and nothing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it was just, it's so crazy that this happened, like, where I'm living right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, like, the whole town is talking about it. Like, it's it's crazy. You, and I know this is going to be a random question, but you said you live in Noble County? Yeah. That's interesting. You'll see why. But, okay. <laughs> I'm so interested now. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyways, that's my catch-up. Um, like I said, I know it was a bit long. It was just, it's it's crazy how much shit has happened this week. Like, yeah. Especially so in much... your area. Because I feel like... Yeah. Yeah. Good for like, you. Why, yeah, like, that's why I wanted to share this stuff. Because there's just so much happening all around me that I was like, every single day this week, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like... One thing after another. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to share like those couple things, bring some attention to some things that are going on. Like I know there's a lot of murders and missing people and I wish we could cover them all, but if I can help locally, then I'll feel better. Yeah, you're doing more than what most people are anyways. Yeah. So with that being said, do you want to get us started on the true crime topic of the week? Yeah, so my true crime topic of the week, Ghosties, is the Tri-State Crematory Scandal. Ooh. That sounds exciting, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. All right, so this whole situation and this crematorium takes place in Noble, Georgia. Oh, okay, I got it. I got it. So a little background, the crematory was founded by Tommy Marsh in the mid-1970s. It provided cremation services for a number of funeral homes in Georgia, Alabama, and Tennessee and made cremation an option for people in the communities where it had previously been difficult to obtain. Unfortunately, Marsh fell ill and suffered from storks and dementia. In mid to late 1996, his son Ray Brent Marsh took over the business. Shortly after Ray Marsh took over the business, he found himself having difficulty keeping up with the number of bodies that were being sent to the crematory. 
nearly 340 bodies that had been assigned to the crematorium to be cremated were actually never cremated. Wait, what? So what did yeah. he do with them? They just uh, started piling up. Pile up? Like, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. In 2002, the Environmental Protection Agency office in Atlanta received an anonymous tip that something sketchy was happening at the crematorium. The EPA officers would later discover during their investigation a skull and some bones that were indeed human. Previously, a propane delivery truck driver had complained on at least two different occasions to the Walker County Sheriff's Department about seeing bodies on the Marsh property. Ew, imagine just walking by a property and just seeing bodies. <laughs> the driver Oh my god. The driver made a fuel delivery and notified the sheriff's office. This call resulted in a deputy sheriff being called to the property who reportedly discovered nothing unusual. On February 15th, 2002, investigators returned to the property, finding piles of decomposing human bodies in a storage shed, in vaults, and scattered inside and outside throughout the property. What? Like, fucking Christmas decorations, you know? (laughs) You go here, and you're gonna go right here. I mean, you gotta find a place to put them, I guess. (laughs) I mean, that's not funny. (laughs) (laughs) Cut, have a heart. A federal disaster team was brought into the area along with a portable morgue shipped from Maryland. A portable morgue. I am very interested in this portable morgue. (laughs) I know. When I first read that, I was like, what? (laughs) This is a wild ride. Like, I feel like we're on a roller coaster here. My emotions are all over the place. The team began trying to identify the remains, a process made difficult because many of the corpse were in advanced stages of decomposition. Some were little more than skeletons. Uh, listen, at that point, you don't even need to cremate them. Like, Well, you still got the bones. I mean, you can grind those up. Chelsea. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, okay, first of all, the issue with not being able to identify the bodies, if you have that many bodies, the best way to keep track of them from a business like perspective would be to tag them. They should have already been tagged to begin with, honestly. What do you mean tagged? They were trying like to identify go- the bodies. I know, I'm saying the guy that's running the crematorium, they still have to tag the bodies so they can be sure that when they cremate them, the ashes go to the right people, the right place, you know, that kind of thing. Okay, but the whole the whole issue is that the guy that ran the crematorium wasn't doing shit. If he no, wasn't... like that's what I'm saying. Like when he when the bodies go to the crematorium, they should have already been tagged. Like hospitals oh, and places should... like that are supposed to do it. I'm sure they were. Like that just it confuses me. Like, how are they not? How could they not keep track? Like, I understand being overwhelmed with the bodies and stuff, but how do you lose that many (laughs) identification tags? That part she understands, guys. (laughs) (laughs) She gets it. I mean, I don't get it, but, like, at the same time, like, these bodies should have been tagged. Like, they were still people. Like, they're not cattle. You don't just set them free. Like, here, burn this body. And I don't know. I'm I'm confused. Like, dude, I'm confused. You have me <laughs> on a roller coaster. The fuck? <laughs> Ghosties, if she made sense, let me know. Because I am scared. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Okay. 
Experts hired by the Marsh attorneys, Stuart James and Frank Jenkins, were prepared to testify that the methods of recovery were questionable and that the methods were made more difficult because of the lack of trained experts undertaking the investigation on the Marsh property. The experts, however, never testified because the civil cases against Tri-State and the funeral homes that had used the Tri-State to perform cremation settled after a second trial had begun in the United States District Court for the Northern District of Georgia. So a little not so fun fact, only 226 bodies were identified. Out of how many? They should have been tagged! Yeah, Um, they should have, but we're gonna move on from that. (laughs) (laughs) So out of three hundred and something, yeah. So out of three hundred and forty bodies, only two hundred and twenty-six bodies were identified. But actually, come to think of it, that's actually a really good number. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I mean, no, 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 this is a wild we're, segment. <laughs> yeah, we're on a good one. We're on a good one. Ray yeah. Brent Marsh uh, was arrested on over 300 criminal violations and was ultimately charged by the state of Georgia with 787 counts, including theft by deception, abusing a corpse, burial service related fraud, and giving false statements. Marsh was facing a possible prison sentence of thousands of years. Okay, this is my favorite part. Ready? And this is the final part. Oh, God. Oh, just kidding. This is not the final part. <laughs> it's almost... Stop making my emotions go up and down. <laughs> oh, man. Due to Marsh being represented by two well-known lawyers, the cases against Marsh were settled after the Georgia Supreme Court has certified for review the defense question of whether a human corpse had any financial value, an issue vital to the case in order to determine in order to determine if the thefts could even be criminally prosecuted. The traditional common law holding was that a corpse does not have financial value. Marsh eventually pleaded guilty and was sentenced to 12 years in prison with credit for the time he had spent in custody before obtaining pre-trial release on bond. He was sentenced to concurrent sentences in Georgia and Tennessee for all the criminal charges related to the incident. And on June 29, 2016, Ray Brent Marsh was released from Central State Prison in Bibb County, Georgia after serving his full 12-year sentence. Okay, listen. First of all, (laughs) not me about to try and justify this, but he didn't steal the bodies, right? If I'm understanding correctly, he was just overwhelmed with how many he had to cremate. It's not like he took them. Like, people gave them the bodies. Well, yeah, that's what the lawyers were fighting, pretty much. Like, you know, that point, the bodies don't have financial value, which is so weird to think about. and kind of feels so wrong, but like... But also at the same time, like, that's my point. It doesn't matter if they have financial value. He didn't steal them. There's no theft involved. Like, they were delivered to him by but all still, of these could have. He could have, um... Yeah, he could have, he could have said, like, hey, I'm overwhelmed. Can somebody help me? But, yeah, like, like, I'm not saying that that's not right. I'm just saying, like, I don't understand how a, how a court system can try and say that he stole them. He I don't know. Hostage. This is a wild... Yeah, I can understand that. I can understand that. That would be... Li- I don't know. It, uh, this is... 
Uh-huh. I don't even know what I'm trying to say anymore. This is a wild I story. <laughs> I don't know either, dude. Like, I'm invested and I'm confused and I'm, like, mortified. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> well, you're welcome. And that's my segment yeah. for the week. Do you want to start you your segment? You're welcome. <laughs> I really enjoyed that segment like that. <laughs> that was You wild. would, you psycho. <laughs> what's happening <laughs> anyways meow. So, oh no <laughs> she's coming down with paranormal, the paranormal topic of the week is myrtle's plantation so myrtle's plantation is a historic home and former antebellum plantation with 22 rooms in saint francisville louisiana that was built in 1796 by general david bradford Now, ghosties, if you know me, and I know Veronica does, I love Louisiana history, okay? My family is from there. I am not, like, I I love New Orleans. Like, I've never been, but I love the history of it. But Louisiana has just, I love the history, okay? So I'm really excited to talk about this plantation because it's one that I really want to visit and Mm -hmm. I want to stay in. But um, the current plantation landscape is centered on a large pond that features a small island centered with the gazebo accessed by a bridge. To the rear of the main house is the oldest structure on the grounds, which is now known as the general store. This is where General Bradford lived while the main house was being built. So there's like there's a lot of things going on on this property. Mm -hmm. Currently, the general store is being used as a gift shop, laundry facilities, plantation offices and a guest breakfast spot to the south is another structure that houses a restaurant and chillery buildings are connected to the main house by a 5,000 square foot old brick courtyard scattered elsewhere on the grounds are modern roaded college cottages that are available to guests by the time this goes up there's going to be pictures on instagram and i just this place is so beautiful like it is it's gorgeous i it yeah so <laughs> um actually Sam and Kobe went to Myrtle's plantation during their hell week last year like after Halloween and stuff or I think it was like during that season. Yeah, so you know what it looks like. I know what it looks like and it's fucking beautiful. Yeah, it is it's so with a very very haunting like history and stuff. Oh, speaking of Sam and Kobe, I just caught my husband watching an interview with them. Oh no way. Yeah, he was. They were talking about spirit boxes, and I was listening in. I was like, "Hey, Veronica got one of those." He goes, "Really?" I was mm-hmm. like, "Yeah." He was like, "Huh." I'm not Anyways, so, I'm not so lonely anymore. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was interesting that he was watching that. Um, I was like, "Hey, Veronica talks about them all the time." But um, so General Bradford lived there alone for several years until President John Adams pardoned him for his role in the Pennsylvania Whiskey Rebellion in 1799. He then moved his wife, Elizabeth, and their five children to this plantation. When Bradford died in 1808, his widow, Elizabeth, continued running it until 1817 when she handed management over to Clark Woodruff, which was one of General Bradford's former law students who had married his daughter, Sarah. The Woodruffs, as Sarah would become to be known when they married, they the Woodruffs had three children, Africa, James, and Mary. And before Sarah and two of her three children died. So this is where one of the first stories of the hauntings begin. It is said that Clark Woodruff was known as an honest man, yet he had one fatal flaw. He had an insatiable appetite for sex. Imagine that, a man with an insatiable appetite for sex. 
Mm. It wasn't long. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't long before he focused his attention on one of the slave girls on the plantation, Chloe. The young girl knew that refusing Woodruff's advances would not be wise, and she, because she'd immediately be punished by working long hours under the sun or even worse so not having much choice in the matter she began a sexual relationship with him that lasted for a few years worrying that his wife would find out and punish her chloe began eavesdropping on the family's conversations one day clark caught her listening and ordered her ear cut off as punishment (gasps) from then on chloe was forced to wear a turban to cover her disfigured ear now, understandably, she wanted revenge. This is not a uncommon theme among slaves. One night when the family was about to sit down to dinner and Clark was away, allegedly Chloe slipped a bit of poison into their food. Within days, Sarah and two of her children were dead. So this story is what the actual death was of, t- of the children. It wasn't yellow fever. It was actually poisoning. So this is kind of where history is kind of unclear about what actually happened. So the other slaves, afraid that Clark would find out what Chloe had done when he returned, took the matter into their own hands. They grabbed Chloe and hung her from a nearby tree. When she finally died, they cut her body down and threw it into the river. Um, so did you know that, I think it's the Sarah, I mean the Sarah, <laughs> that has reportedly, um, she like tends to steal guests' earrings. And it's just one earring. Yeah, I had heard about that, and I find that crazy because uh, I, of all the ghosts that I think would have done that, I feel like it would have been Chloe since she had her ear cut off. Oh, maybe it was Chloe then. Um, but I've heard it's Sarah, too, in some sources, so okay. that's why that's why originally I wasn't going to bring it up because it's mm-hmm. like a sketchy type thing. They Well, they but, literally um, have a little thing where it has a bunch of, like, earrings that they have found throughout the house, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. in, like weird random spots yeah and i wonder (laughs) this is (laughs) so for ghosties for those of you that don't know i have stretched ears so i wonder if i if i go there like will those are technically my earrings will one of them go missing or that's an interesting thought Mm -hmm. when elizabeth bradford died in 1831 which is general bradford's wife and sarah's mom Clark Woodruff and his surviving daughter, Mary, which is the only one of the three children that survived, moved to Covington, Louisiana, and left a caretaker to manage the plantation. Four years later, in 1834, he sold the plantation, the land, and its slaves to Rufin Gray Sterling. Now, Sterling and his wife, Mary, undertook an extensive remodeling of the house, nearly doubling the size of the former building and filling the house with imported furniture from Europe. It was during this time that the name was changed to the Myrtles after the Crate Myrtles that grew in the vicinity. Sterling died in 1854 and left the plantation to his wife. Now, the Myrtles survived the American Civil War, though they were robbed of its furnishings and expensive accessories, because that happened multiple times during the Civil War. Mm -hmm. And in 1865, Mary hired William Drew Winter to help manage the plantation as her lawyer and agent. Winter was married to one of Sterling's daughters, Sarah. There's a lot of Sarahs in this story. Mm. <laughs> and they <laughs> and they went on to have six children, one of whom, 
died from thyroid at the age of three. The family fortune was lost in the aftermath of the war due to it being tied up in the Confederate currency. So the Winters were forced to sell the plantation in 1868, but they were able to buy it back two years later. So in 1871, Winter was killed on the porch of the house, they believe by a man named E.S. Weber, but it's never been confirmed. This was the second incident of a death occurring. Technically, he's not the second person, but it's the second incident. And so his wife, Sarah, remained on the Myrtles plantation with her mother and siblings until 1878 when she died. 1880, the plantation was passed to her son, Stefan, and it was heavily in debt at that time. However, Stefan sold it in 1886 to Oren D. Brooks, who in turn sold it in 1889. The plantation changed hands several more times until 1891 when it was purchased by Harrison Milton Williams. So adding to the mystery between the behind the hauntings of this plantation, it is rumored that the plantation is built on top of an ancient Tunica Indian burial ground. So uh, on top of all of like all of that stuff that happened being buried on top of an of a burial ground, especially an Indian burial ground is not ideal. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's currently spot. I mean spot yeah, it's literally like you could not have chosen a worse spot. So the plantation is currently a bed and breakfast and offers historical and, and mystery tours. It is deemed one of America's most haunted homes, and it's supposedly the home of at least 12 ghosts. So it's often reported that 10 murders occurred on this plantation, but historical records only indicate the murder of William Winter, which is the man that was shot on the porch. And said so that after he was shot, William Winter staggered inside the house and he died trying to climb the stairs, and he died on the 17th step. So present-day visitors, as well as employees in the hotel, claim to still hear his dying footstep. Other people claim to have seen young girls in old-style clothing in the windows, and others say they've caught glimpses of Woodruff's children appearing in the mirror near the room where they died. Going back to the Indian burial ground, Some people also report seeing the spirit of a Native American woman in the gazebo, and it's presumed that she's one of the people that were buried there a long time ago. And finally, uh, people have reported seeing William Winters, not just hearing his footsteps on the stairs. So there's there's, there's quite a bit of activity going on. You know, I wouldn't mind hearing footsteps, but if it's like footsteps coming towards me or like running towards me, that's when I have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) So just stay away from the stairs then and you'll be fine. Cool. I mean, if it's not like coming towards me, I'm cool. Like I'll, I'll be so fascinated. Like, oh my God, do you hear that? (laughs) But yeah, that is my segment on Myrtle's Plantation. I really love Louisiana ghost stories, and I just, I wanted to share something like that today. It's going to be hot if you ever go visit. Yeah, I know. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's the one bad side. But with the end of my segment, are you ready to get started for the tarot reading? Yes. We're doing a tarot reading for one of my friends who wants to go by Jade. She did confirm that that's her stripper name. Um, (laughs) Wait, you got to tell them the best part. That she actually has a stripper pole? In her living room? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Love that. I love it. 
Um, yes, uh, that pole definitely gets a lot of action from her. Um, anyways, <laughs> moving on. She did ask um, for a couple of readings. She asked for a love life reading, which is what we're doing today. And she also asked for the year ahead, which we're going to do video on for YouTube. So keep an eye out for that. So yeah, let's get let's get started. This is the general love life reading and a this is a finding love relationship spread yeah so this is like a a general she wanted something that was general to her love life she didn't like specify a question that she wanted so the spread that we found is a finding love relationship spread so it's pretty general like love stuff that's gonna be talked about so this is a five card spread and card number one questions if you're ready for a relationship card two is your lover's characteristics card three is how you will meet or if you've already met card four is characteristics of the relationship and card five is the potential of the relationship so card one questions are you ready for a relationship and this comes through the eight of cups reversed and this card in regards to whether or not you're ready is saying that you fear moving on which is going to result in kind of staying in a bad situation so don't be afraid to leave something behind if it's not serving you and during this time of leaving things that are no longer serving you make sure that you're focusing on your self-worth and resolving any abandonment and commitment issues so whether or not you're ready depends on you have then yes you're ready but if you haven't you need to focus on yourself before you're ready for a relationship i love that she's getting called out (laughs) we love that here (laughs) yeah when it's not especially when it's not us oh my god you than me So card two is your lover's characteristics. And this comes through the seven of pentacles. Your lover is going to be putting in a lot of time and is looking for the long-term rewards and his or her desire to invest in a future. So they're going to be manifesting their ideas and goals and their hard work is going to be paying off. So you're going to be able to see whether it's their work life, relationship life, family life, whatever it is that they're trying to achieve, they're going to be achieving it. So card three is how you will meet or if you've already met. So the answer to this card is going to be kind of up to interpretation by you. I'm just going to give you the general idea of what the card is, which is the Ace of Cups reversed. So with this card, it it typically means in reverse that you are not in the mood to be socializing and meeting new people. So because of that general emotion, you're either going to meet this person when you get back into socializing or you've already met them and they're with you right now trying to help you give yourself the love and intuition that you need within yourself. So like they're going to be helping you find your true self right now. You know, it's funny. So (laughs) she literally told me how I think she asked, like, how do you even meet people nowadays? Like people don't go to bars anymore or something like that. (laughs) And I was like, well, dude, don't you like go out and you do this and that, you know? And she's like, yeah, but I don't talk to people. And I was like, huh? And I so I just love how this card is like confirming that. that's how she feels yeah so card four is going to represent the characteristics of your relationship with this person and this comes through the eight of wands this card is really going to go back to the are you ready card which was the eight of cups because the eight of wands is telling you that you are getting ready to move forward you're going to be rushing and making progress and exciting times are coming ahead and you're going to finally see these results 
that you have been working hard to get. If you're traveling, you are for sure going to be having holiday romances. But even if you're not, <laughs> it, that's coming your way. And you're ready to just jump in and be swept off your feet. So that's exciting. It's oh going to be a dude. very... Jade, what if you meet someone <laughs> in one of your many trips that you like to take? She like she loves to travel. That's the thing. See, and yet, so the characteristic of that relationship, I, I feel like with knowing that she likes to travel and with the holiday romance being a part of this card, I feel like it's definitely going to be sometime then. And it seems like it's going to be a very whimsical and like it says, swept off your feet type of relationship. So just really whimsical and dreamy. And it's almost it's probably almost like I'm getting that almost too good to be true vibe, which mm-hmm. is not a bad thing. Like it's, it's great to feel like that. So when it happens, it's going to be very exciting. And it, it's going to feel like everything is finally coming into perspective and and settling in place. Love that. Excited. So to answer whether or not it's too good to be true is card five, which is the potential of the relationship, which comes through the four of cups. So with the four of cups, there's going to be a lot of opportunities that you're going to be turning down or that you're missing out on. And you're going to be feeling a lot of regret and focusing on the negative. So don't do that with a, a prospective relationship because Your past relationships are not your present and they're not your future. You need to spend the time to realize what makes you feel bored and unhappy and make sure that you're not repeating the same relationship. So if if this person makes you happy and it's not a boring and it's, like I said, whimsical and just make sure you keep that feeling alive. Relationships are work. And if you don't work for it, it's not going to stay the way you want it. So the potential of the relationship is positive as long as you work for it. That was nice. Jade, I hope you liked your reading. I'm very excited for her relationship. Like, I want updates. (laughs) Dude, I want updates. (laughs) So yeah, this has been a, this has been a really great episode. Like, I have had a lot of fun. Yeah, you have. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Anyways. Thank you for joining us this week, ghosties. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Like I said, I had a blast. I don't know about you. But if you did, make sure to give us a follow on Instagram and TikTok. If you want a tarot card reading, please DM us and we'll choose one lucky person a week. If you want to use an alias, like just let us know. We are totally okay with that. We understand and respect people's privacy. But we're your hosts. I'm Chelsea. And I'm Veronica. Have a spooky weekend and we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.